Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. And since it's Tuesday, you know it. We talk about food. And we've got the one and the only Andrew Dambina joining us. Andrew, always nice to speak to you. How are you doing on the sunny afternoon? It is sunny and uh, not brightens my mood. How about you, Noreen? Yeah, it's really sunny. I like the way we always start off with the weather. But it is important because <laughs> yeah. it fluctuates so so much in Hong Kong. Certainly does. Yes. Certainly does. Exactly. So what have you got for us? What's on the menu for us? Oh, well, I'm going to tickle our sort of uh, palate, first of all, with something that's local. So I've got a couple of things. I'll start and finish with a dessert that's local as well. So a little... Uh, uh, mention here is that um, I don't know, some of your listeners and even you, Noreen, may have heard that for the whole of November, starting next Monday then, is the Hong Kong 12th Wine and Dine Festival, which is uh, wow. usually, yeah, it's, it's the 12th one, and it's usually something that attracts tourists in normal times, and it is still the HKTB, the Hong Kong Tourism Board, that is the organiser behind it, which is great, they tried, we talked about it last year, actually, where they did everything online. And uh, this year, because things have got, um, to an extent, um, a bit more relaxed in terms of people being allowed at the moment to visit restaurants and bars relatively freely, um, it's something that is going to be involving a lot of local restaurants and wine bars. However, the actual events, that means tasting events that are tutored or talks that are given about food and drink, plus some pretty exciting uh, tasting experiences. This, is re- this sounds really quite cool, and it's going on in other places in the world, as well as, uh, as, as our own Wine and Dine Festival, is where people can get a kit of different drinks, and some of them are food and drink pairings, and you have an expert talk you through uh, the kind of taste profiles that you're doing. I love these things. Whenever there's a food, uh, you know, in, in pre-COVID times, when there were food and drinks festivals at the convention centre, some really big ones sometimes. Oh, yeah, back the in the day. What was mm. that one called? I've forgotten. I think well, there's, a food there's expo, so many. Yeah, the Food one. Expo, yeah. That, yeah, that, that, that's one. But there's also one that's every two years, which is Vin Expo. Or I suppose it's Van Expo if you're going to, if you're going to try French. and you know, say it in a French way. But 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 in, even even with the uh, with the wine events, they still have kind of a an area like the, the Vin Expo and the Hofex, which is another that's food and drinks festival. So many of them usually in Hong Kong. And what's brilliant is that you can book. Uh, some of them are paid for. Some of them I'm talking about the ones that existed in the convention centre. Some of them are free, but you had to register online. And then you would go along and you would sit there like in a classroom or a lecture room <laughs> at a desk with, uh, with, with three to five different glasses of wine. Let's say it's a wine tasting one, just for instance, or with a drink and something to pair it with food wise. And it wasn't always about alcohol either, listener. It was also about pairing things like strong flavored um, essence of ginger or fruit juices and things to just play around with the effects that drink has or a different drink, has on something that you're eating. But I digress. Back to the Wine and Dine Festival here in Hong Kong starting next month. You can find out more about it from the uh, Discovery Hong Kong website. So uh, that's, that's one way of finding out. That's the Hong Kong Tourism Board's website. But if you want to really look at the talks that are on, some of them are do have a fee and some of them are, are free. But you can go to 
cityline.com. Okay, that's for looking at the actual events themselves. Uh, there's something called a city wine walk introduced this year, which is um, it's not as it sounds. It's not like when there used to be an art walk, which was on one evening that Radio Three was involved in, where you would go around in one evening. The I city thought you wine were going to say something like like a pub crawl. You just go around. Yeah, I know. I know. That's, <laughs> that's exactly when I read it. First of all, I thought I bet that's what it is, which sounds pretty cool, but it's not. Um, and it's uh, it's it's a more controlled thing in these COVID times. It's it's basically the wine walk means that there are four different neighbourhoods around Hong Kong, and I'll be frank, they're not all within walking distance from each other. But within each area, they are trying to put some restaurants, cafes, and wine bars within walking distance in each neighbourhood that's taking part. So that's Central, Wan Chai, Kennedy Town, and Chim Sa Choi. You're not meant to be strolling, you know, across the harbour or, um, you know, different or between even some of those neighbourhoods on Hong Kong Island. You can get a digital tasting pass to join the, uh, the, wine, the city wine walk, and it will allow you to enter these places and get special discounts on limited time, you know, for the month, for next month only, November, of snacks and drinks that are being put on by more than 50 restaurants and bars, pairing most of it is about drink, City Wine Walk, but there are also special snacks and even more than snacks, kind of actual proper main course dishes that go with some of the drinks that are being paired. Discounts, um, discounts are offered if you have a pass. And the pass, there are two different types of pass you can get. One of them is $250 and the other one is $500, which allows you kind of more coupons or you know, that are, that are app uh, vouchers, if you like, that, you, that get docked every time you use one to um, to go towards something that is a special menu. You can still go to these places by looking at uh, www.discoverhongkong.com/slash/wine-dine-festival to find out where places have different offers on. And if you don't have one of these passes, you can still try um, additional special for the month of November. Uh, menus and cocktails and other wines that are being brought in just for that. So this is a great thing to give a little boost to both the enjoyment of life, let's be frank, and also a little bit of extra business for some uh, restaurants and bars in Hong Kong. So that's uh, that. you can find out more about that. And as I say, if you want to book some of the lectures, you get sent a kit. There's a great one, which is a wine and oyster pairing, oh. which I like the sound of, but I'm not sure they'll deliver to the outlying island that I'm on. <laughs> you get a box of stuff, and then you, and then you tune in online for, to be talked through it, to, to be instructed on what goes with what. It sounds really good fun, actually. Anyway, so that's that. That's the first segment of today's Tuesday, the, uh, the appetizer, if you like. Very and good. Moving on, yeah, moving on to something uh, from the UK for, uh, for the next course. Um, taking a look at places that are coming out of lockdown um, and other social restrictions around the world, it was reported in the BBC in the UK last week that takeaway meals are still booming. They're feeling an effect of the lockdown and restrictions that were in place until a month or so ago, um, despite the return, the full return of restaurants and bars to total normalcy over there it's um uh they they are seeing it's been reported by deliveroo the um you know one of the biggest international we have it operating here um of uh, home delivery services that they are still feeling a big increase and from july till september last month um the there was a 59 percent of increases now this is 
But that's artificial. Why would it be such a massive jump? And the reason is that is partly due to some new partnerships that the um, that the company that delivers food did because they were worried there'd be a great big drop in people ordering food deliveries after relaxations were put in place a month ago in the UK. So the reason the, the reason for the jump upwards then is that uh, this takeaway service has gone in lieu with the online giant Amazon and one of the biggest supermarkets in the UK called Morrison's. And so they've actually, it was quite a canny business thing to do, thinking there'd be a big drop off in people wanting stuff at home, which there probably would have been. They found other ways to get their message out there and it's worked. More people are ordering food than um, you know than they were when when restaurants weren't all functioning properly so quite a quite a clever idea which 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 i think uh, was quite creative of them um i was gonna so, say are, are you a big fan of of takeaways i was gonna ask you the same question that was exactly <laughs> the next thing wow we're on the same wavelength well yes i am sometimes but we because i do live on an outlying island i can't use the aforementioned uh, oh, yes. global service because nobody's no no one's going to put their motorbike on a ferry to come over to where I am or uh, oh, or even that would ha- be a delivery. great that would be a great service wouldn't it but then by the time the food yeah. arrives it'll be a slightly cold yes it would be a bit definitely I mean um, I for um, I, it was it was a birthday of uh, my son's um, some time ago. I probably told you about this, and I and I thought I'd, uh, it was a big birthday. And one of the things that we did was to have a quite a fancy takeaway mm. or something from a nice place. And it went between Chim Sa Choi, where the restaurant is, to uh, to Hong Hum, where I was with some other family members, and the uh, and the food was completely cold when we when we got it, Such and that was shame. and that was and that was and that was a kind of a treat type of takeaway, um, you know, some really nice stuff that was the uh, the, the choice of my son to get it. So and that's not really it. that's not really very far. Really. No, so, Hong Hum to TST. Uh, what at no, best. Yeah, on, on, on a motorbike. How long yeah. is that going to take him? Five minutes. So, so it's uh, it's so, so getting over to the outlying island where I live. No, I don't think so. I mean, I'll probably have to. I'd probably have to go for the kind of um, ecologically unfriendly chopper it in approach if I wanted <laughs> something to be still lukewarm. Ladder my roof. <laughs> exactly. Get the, get the delivery person to come down a rope ladder. But uh, but yeah, don't think I'll be doing that anytime soon. What about you? Do you you, you and your family um, order us in, or not really? Yeah, we we do occasionally. I think we do it about you know maybe twice a month or three times a month. Maybe sometimes on Sundays when we're just feeling a bit too mm. lazy to to cook. Um, that that's quite uh, nice. Yeah, it's so- not lazy, not really. I mean, if it, I think I think if it's um, if people are having busy weeks doing whatever they're doing, working, going to school or whatever. It's, um, that's, what, that's what we're working for sometimes, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And now the kids are a little bit older, um, I don't feel as guilty sort of giving them food sort of <laughs> laden with MSG. <laughs> it's, oh, so well, I'm glad you're laughing about that. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next. Uh... <laughs> but there's that guilt, you know, you don't want to feed kids, you know, young kids takeaway food um, at a really early age. I don't know, maybe other, uh, maybe other parents share the same concern. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, of course, of course. We, we, we were It's quite, nervous uh, laughter. It's admitting yeah, to well, yeah, guilt. I, I mean, it, we, we didn't go too heavy with the, uh, with the sweets and snacks when... Uh, when, no. when when my son was growing up, but I uh, know exactly what you mean. 
Moving to another part of the world, though, for our next course, Noreen. Um, it is... Do it in uh, the accent. To... Do it, say it in the accent that we're, we're oh, moving to. OK, then you've got to guess. OK. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a tough one, this. OK, you're right. Guess, try and guess quickly, please, because I'm going to be rubbish at this accent. I don't even know how to do it. Uh, last week, in oh. a, cert- a certain newspaper... Russia? Ukraine? Oh, uh, no, oh. no. A bit, a bit further east. Um... Uh, there was an in-depth feature story on the something east growing role in the global food security uh, no, just area. Put, just put us out of our misery. Just go <laughs> yeah, to that region. Uh, Middle East. Ara- oh. It was in the, Ara- the Arab Jeez. News, which is a newspaper based in Saudi Arabia. They had a, a very interesting in-depth feature on the growing role internationally of food security. But looking oh, yeah, particularly- you mentioned it last week. Or two weeks ago, oh, uh, about about this about this uh, this study. No, 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 not about the study, but about food security, and we touched on it. Oh yeah, no, yeah, 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 the the issue of it, yeah. But this this was yeah this was looking at it um, globally, but with a particular focus on the Middle East. That's where that's where this newspaper is based, and uh, it was put to put the Middle East into context with the global food system, which it says uh, in the article is facing uh, a lot of stresses. The area. Uh, of the Middle East has a complex interplay of social, economic, political, and environmental factors as well. Doesn't the whole world, eh? Um, with, uh, but then it, it says this is within the context of the world, which also has to look at uh, global food, food security, because the projection, this is an interesting one, slightly off topic, but it, it said in the article that the world's population forecast is to rise to 10 billion people by the year 2050. Uh, the current, I mean, I, I looked, I thought that was interesting. I looked up the current uh, population is about 7.8 billion. So, Policymakers are faced with the problem of securing food for all that is affordable, increasingly more nutritious and environmentally sustainable. Another thing that we did talk about a few weeks ago is the growing middle class, which mm. is something that came into this as well, because uh, this, this article said that in the Middle East, the rise of, the glo- uh, of, the, of there as well as the global middle class um, is causing more demand for, some, for certain high-end products which uh, means that there is a, a kind of a, a shortage of, of some of these products, or there could be if middle classes uh, increase in the Middle East to want to have things imported from other parts of the world. And they were, in, in, in short, they were looking at other places around the world as, as examples where there are some government policies put into place now or recently put into place to go a bit more self-sufficient. Now, it's really difficult to do that, obviously, in the Middle East because of the infrastructure, the weather, climate conditions. Uh, they can't start really growing the arable crops that they might be enjoying as middle classes grow and grow because some of those just simply aren't going to be naturally growable. Irrigated lands in deserts certainly do happen around the Middle East. I mean, uh, that's, been, uh, that's been going on for quite a long time. Israel, Jordan, some of these places, they do have um, irrigated farmland which in, in areas that used to be desert, but it uses an unsustainable amount of water often. Uh, but then again, they have to weigh that up with what's the cost of the carbon footprint and other factors in importing it in. So it's a, it's a catch-22, I think, and that's not what it says in this article, but that's my analysis. They're talking about doing things on their doorstep uh, with hydroponic farms, 
uh, and the UAE now has 1,000 hydroponic farms, which is up um, only by 50 farms since uh, since 2009. So they're not trying to go go really crazy with it because the hydroponic farms are the ones that are going to use an incredible amount of energy and water to get things done in artificial conditions. So they're looking more now, or they should look more, this article is saying, at making some dietary and um, psychological changes of attitude yeah. Yeah, towards what is, um, to, to what is a responsible way of dealing with things ecologically as, as, a, as a region of, of, you know, of, of the world, as a, as a partner with, uh, with everyone in all of the big issues that we hear about every day. Uh, with global warming because of importing, having, you know, it, it, if it's if there's going to be a high import rate, that's going to increase the carbon footprint, etc. So they cited Singapore as being a great example, which due to 90% of food generally being imported into Singapore, some of it, though, is only, you know, a couple of kilometres across the border from, from Malaysia, but um, uh, across a bridge to Singapore. But, but, it's, but it cited the way that in 2019 the Singapore government announced an ambitious plan to produce 30% of its nutritional needs locally by the year 2030. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Not long now. No, no. I mean, I hope they're doing well because those those years are clicking by. (laughs) You know, soon they'll only have eight years left. uh, but, But it was from 2019. So indoor, they're also talking about hydroponic things so when you talk about producing it locally um you know you have to factor in how much how you know how much energy you're using to do indoor farming so there is some hydroponic farming going on there already there's also vertical farming which is a more sustainable way of going about it which is finding shaded areas of walls or building them or using ones that exist that are that aren't, that aren't scorched by the sun that have natural shading and you can put up a canopy and then you use a gravity system of irrigation of watering that goes from top down and then you have a tended vertical bit of farming it sounds like the sort of things that you might have used to you know perhaps seen in science fiction films about the earth in the future you know the weird ways of farming down the sides of buildings and stuff not even rooftop but but going down the sides to get shade and you know in a tropical place singapore's on the equator after all yeah um yeah uh, we've only got three minutes left but speaking of hydroponics years and years Mm. ago um um, my my then boyfriend now husband andy started an aquaponic system (laughs) at home which didn't really go so well but it's sort of like hydroponics but instead of sort Mm. of the plants getting the nutrients um from the hydroponic solution you'd have fish instead and then those fish would create um, oh. waste, so the nutrients from the fish waste would then go mm. on to grow the plants and the veggies. Um, sadly, it didn't really work mm. out, um, and it just drew heaps of mosquitoes. But it is doable if you <laughs> t- dedicate right. enough time. What, what, what kind of food products were, uh, you know, foodstuffs, were you 
trying to grow during I, that period? What I, kind I, of veggies? I, 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 don't, I have no idea. I wasn't even paying attention, to be honest. But, yeah, wow. I just knew Did that. Did you just ignore the kind of mosquito <laughs> pond in the corner of the yeah, room? Yeah, I just saw a lot of mosquito in the corner. I was like, what? what's that? Um, but yeah, but uh. we've only got two minutes left, Anders. Have you got something else that we can... I, end? I, I, yes. I really, a real quickie, which was the last one, which brings a full circle back to Hong Kong for dessert. And Hong Kong's first CBD-focused bar is oh. going to open in Lang Kwai Fong uh, oh. tomorrow. And it's, uh, it's, it, this is following a couple of things opening in the last uh, couple of years. We spoke two to three years ago about CBD being used in coffee and, and other foodstuffs in America and in Europe. And we wondered about how it would ever sort of come to Hong Kong, if at all, because it was a very grey area and still is to a certain extent. But a couple of places have opened up last year. There was a place that opened up which was selling tinctures and stuff, you know, droplets and uh, things that were meant to be, and, and also skin products that had CBD that were meant to be good, as well as things for uh, to put into food to give you energy or to make you more relaxed. So, yeah, anyway, there is a new place opening up. I know we're short of time, so I can't go into it too much more. We don't want to plug a place anyway. Last, but also, six months or so ago, there was a CBD spa that opened. So we've gone from shop to spa and now bar coming, coming <laughs> next. So it's slowly, we can, we're, we're catching up with the world in that trend if, if, uh, if they all get the right paperwork done, which I'm sure they are before opening. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for, for, for your sharing. And by the way, um, happy World Pasta Day. Um, maybe it's a day oh. to celebrate uh, with a bit of pasta. And I just wanted to share that with you. And I bella, shall be bella. yeah, I shall be having some bolognese later. Right. Okay. On this note, thank you so much, Andrew, for, for your sharing. And I look forward to more chats with you and on Thursday with a bit of artsing around. Thank you very much. Andrew. Bye for now. See you.